0: Hello, and welcome to MetaPortal, which is our brand new content hub for all things Metaverse and Metaverse Index related. It's brought to you by myself, Dark Forest Capital, and my good friend, AG, aka Verto. We're both full-time index co-op contributors, and we are also the methodologists behind the Metaverse Index. So I'm introducing today the podcast that you're about to listen to. We actually recorded it prior to launch of the MVI, which is on April the 7th. Um, And it's mainly covering what we were excited about, the journey that we're taking to get to that stage. Uh, We cover the projects that were included at launch in in more detail and talk a little bit about our favourite ones, uh, why they're our favourites and and how we've been involved with each of the communities. So thank you for joining us. Uh, Look out for plenty of visual, auditory and written content to come from us in the future. And for now, I'll let you get on with listening
1: to this podcast.
0: How are you doing today, AG?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a great day. Obviously, really excited about the Metaverse Index launching, and uh, it's been it's been a very interesting and fascinating journey um, from kind of the idea, actually your idea, to um, evolution of the methodology and kind of execution of that, and and kind of. I guess recently the the new, the new phase of this process, which is kind of learning the underlying projects and playing some of these games and and kind of getting involved with the communities and and so on. So it's been a it's been a really exciting and fascinating journey, and uh, great to talk to everyone about it.
0: Yeah, it's been six months in the making at this point. Uh, I put the original post up probably about five days after index co-op itself launched. And actually it was after somebody else put up the idea for an NFT index. And my thinking was at the time that like the NFT space was obviously it was starting to take off, but it was still like very small. You had sort of meme, um, that, that was the, the other proposal. It was sort of like these very niche, um, individual items or individual projects. And I was thinking more of the, along the lines of you know what's happened this year with, with COVID accelerating this move to like a digital um existence for most people, whether that's at work or how they socialize with their friends. The gaming industry is, is just gone from strength to strength as well. So how do we look for something to like capture that whole move rather than specifically looking at maybe like five or six very exciting projects? we can expand our scope and we can look at NFT marketplaces. We can look at these virtual gaming worlds. We can um, look at projects like Audius where with the right tokenomics and this like ownership economy idea, you can turn something like Spotify onto the blockchain and decentralize the ownership, totally change like the the payment and um, sort of like economics of it um, and, and just try and capture all of that in one. And that was what led to the idea of like the metaverse index and, The idea of that is, you know, everybody's moving their lives more and more online every single day.
1: Yeah, I think so. several several things there that I'd like to say. I think one is defining the metaverse, right? And we've struggled with this a little bit just because the concept, like the concept itself is relatively simple, right? Like it's a virtual world where we have social interactions, right? Whether it's gaming or business. Or entertainment in general, or social interactions, uh, when they happen in a virtual environment, you could sort of say it's the metaverse. And and we've been having these interactions in virtual environments for um, for over a decade now. But what's new now is the, I guess the ownership implications of like items and activities within the metaverse where you can authentically own things and the financial infrastructure with, with crypto. So now you can actually form entire kind of societies and social economic structures in the virtual environment. And that to us is what the metaverse, the true metaverse movement is, is about right and um, it's actually fascinating to me that you've identified that theme um, maybe not to that level of refinement uh, that we've gotten to recently but you've identified that theme in in october and i know i've sort of been thinking a little bit along those lines but i didn't have the whole picture together
0: yeah, thanks. Well, yeah, it's it's been like an emerging and evolving theory as well. And I think even when we look back in a year after after launch, like probably the the projects that make up the metaverse index um and the way that the space develops is probably going to be completely different to what we would predict today. So, yeah, it's it is just trying to capture that like that broad um that broad movement really. I totally agree with what you said about like we've had difficulty defining it. But when we've tried to define it, I think something that's easy for me to think about um, is to look at a game like Fortnite that you might play on your your Xbox, right? And if you purchase a skin in that game, um, obviously the money just goes to Epic Games and probably partially to Microsoft as well. And then you run around in the game and shoot people, and you've got your, you know, you're wearing your character skin. But that's about all you can do with it. So the metaverse and and where this is going to get really exciting, and we're already starting to see it, is between all of these different projects that are being built on the blockchain, the blockchain runs underneath like a superhighway. And each of the different communities or projects acts as like a a silo hovering above this highway. And what you can do when you mint an object or buy an artwork or whatever it may be, voxelize some design that you've seen um, in all of these different Uh, virtual worlds, you can drop that out of the silo onto the highway that is the blockchain, move it along somewhere else and and pop up in another virtual world. So you might buy an NFT on Rarible. You might then go and hang it on the wall in Decentraland. And that's where it, it becomes the metaverse because suddenly you're able to use this substrate to move items that you own, even though they're digital, they're now digitally scarce, digitally like provably yours, um, you can start to move those around in the virtual space. And that is what really the intersection of all of these technologies is unlocking. Um, and that's what the Metaverse Index hopes to capture, is the the upside to that trend.
1: Yeah. And that's, you know, that's before we sort of even get into virtual reality, right? And and immersive Digital experiences, um, and also that's even before we overlay decentralized finance um, on top of this, right? Creating utility and liquidity for for these items, right? Like where, to your example with Fortnite skins, if you have a liquid market for it, right, with verifiable ownership, like that, that is just so powerful and so empowering to to the players so why don't we take a, a bit of a step step back and uh talk about kind of the the evolution of this product launch process right like it's it's the first community led methodology for the index cop and obviously we've had to navigate uh this process um but Kind of take us take us through you know from that initial governance post uh, the proposal that you made for the index um, kind of how how did that um, yeah like how did that evolve over time
0: yeah it's it's been an interesting journey, as you said earlier. Um, I think at the start uh, I came into the co-op a little bit naively thinking, oh great you know set protocol of kick this off and now anybody any chump like me can come along and say here's a good idea and then set will just build it for me and I'll just sit there and go oh great you know this is my product um obviously that was wrong and the way that actually the index cart functions is as more like a supercharger to people's ideas so um a few months after launch set Release their asset manager suite, so if anybody can literally go and build an index uh, using Set's backend, which is, you know, immensely powerful in itself. Then, what the Index Co-op adds to that is our community is really strong in terms of like our network, um, skills in marketing, growth, uh, business development. Um, obviously, there's a lot of people with financial backgrounds, so asset management in general, and all of that can really lever uh, behind these products and. Um, like take them to the next level, as we've seen with, with DPI. Obviously, the community got behind that and, and we've pushed it up to, you know, almost, an, if I dare say, it, an unassailable position within the, the DeFi index space where, you know, we're talking over $100 million worth of unincentivized AUM at times. So, yeah, I came in a little bit fresh, a little bit green and said, like, here's a good idea. It fell by the wayside a little bit. And then after the asset manager suite was released by set, then the focus sort of came back around. That's the time that you sort of prodded me and said, look, here's a clever way that we can do the methodology. And I'm sure you'll you'll talk a bit more about that in a minute. Um, So we got a bit more traction behind it. We released the updated methodology. Obviously, there was still uh, a reaction from the community and, and externally. Like there was latent demand there. People saying, yeah, this is a great idea. Like, just do it. So, between you and I, we then saw that, you know, there wasn't, we weren't getting any credible partners sort of knocking on our door saying, yeah, we want to launch this. So, we went external with it and we, and we started looking around, seeing who we could get. Um, you knocked on Mason's door at, at Masari. Mason was keen to get involved. So, we brought him in as like a subject matter expert to give that um, like qualitative overlay onto our methodology. And I think that's what. Really, sort of, was the tipping point. Um, and then, obviously, the rest of the community, as I say, were, were quite excited about it. The set team were excited about it. So, everybody was aligned and it was like, right, let, let's actually just get this done. And that's when it sort of fell into the official onboarding pipeline um, and sort of moved forward from there. So, we had everything in place by that point. We had, you know, that that expertise from Mason, we had the updated methodology that meant that even though it's a nascent space and stuff is kind of moving really quickly. Uh, the way that you've approached it with the partial market cap and partial liquidity weighting um, kind of protects us from from those some of those movements. And so we just had everything in place. And then seeing the space actually take off itself in terms of like traction and, and token price and just even like people who don't know anything about crypto really are now seeing NFTs and learning the lingo on the news um, Everything's just kind of come together to to catalyze it, and and here we are, about a week away from launch, um, and everything's fallen into place.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know we we could we could say that it would have been awesome to launch this like six months ago, right, when you initially proposed it, or even like three or four months ago. But the fact of the matter is that liquidity for these tokens, right, and we use uh, decentralized exchanges to uh, to rebalance on On a monthly basis, and liquidity for these tokens was nowhere near sufficient enough to support a large product. Like I, I'm thinking back to December when I was doing initial modeling for this, and we could have had maybe a five million dollar fund, like Max, and fifty percent of it would have been in like Mana and Engine. And that's just, you know, that's just the reality. So yeah, it would have been like, from the price appreciation perspective, obviously, it would have been great to to launch it sooner. But I think the market just got to the point where it's sort of ready to support a large product. And by large, I mean, like, you know, 20, 30 million at this point in time, I think would be yeah, yeah, would be would be good for, for for the market for the liquidity of the underlying tokens. And my hope is certainly that we are in the early stages of of the metaverse development, right? Uh, that is going to continue to grow. Uh, obviously, going to be bumps on the road, but um, that the metaverse index will be able to grow with the space, and as the space kind of expands, we'll be able to expand the index and, and grow the AUM without distorting the market.
0: Yeah, I'd hope that actually the index itself acts as like a bit of a catalyst to, to lift up the, the projects. And it's almost a virtuous circle where the, the fact that people are buying into it drives like either token price appreciation directly or at least knowledge of all of these projects. And yeah, it just it's just another thing like to add to, to all of the stuff that's going on in the space, really, that, that can help catalyze the next leg up, I would say. So one of the things that that we've done with this in terms of the methodology uh, that's different to our competitors, and it's a question that comes up a lot, is people say, oh, why isn't this token in? Or why have you included this token at this percentage? Um, so our methodology is, is like very objective compared to uh, the com- the competitors that use like community voting and community decisions around inclusions. So did you want to talk a bit more about some of the criteria that we use and and how we came to that and why it's important to to do it that way?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that that was the first thing I thought about when I started working on revising the methodology for the index from your initial A proposal just because I think, and and you sort of alluded to it, right? Like when you put forward that proposal, you thought that it was just going to be like a like index co op would take on community indices and and just launch them, right? Um, So it was a bit more of that community, like community led spirit. But when I came in, which was like months, months and a half later, it was. To me, it was rather clear that we are differentiating based on the objectivity of the methodology and the fact that the methodology is outlined, right? And index token holders have no ability to influence the decisions of the methodologists, right? So it's like heads off, this is the methodology, these are the criteria, and when you buy DPI, or when you buy MVI, you know, the rationale, you know, how the process of inclusion and rebalancing is going to go, like, it's not going to be based on the whims of the community or based on what's trending or or hot, Uh, it's going to be objective. So that was kind of the first thing I looked at, I'm like, I, I, I thought about how can we develop a methodology that is objective and that can be followed without subjective judgment, right? And and so the first thing uh, around that was, okay, we need some way to filter the tokens. Um, we need some way to filter all of the, I don't know how many tokens there are now on CoinGecko, but I assume in like thousands or 10,000 maybe. So we need to filter all of that and arrive at a much smaller universe of tokens that we can then run through additional filters to eventually arrive at like the investable universe is, is what it's called in, in traditional finance. And, and so when, when I was thinking about that, it was basically where, where can I go where there is categorization of tokens that, that I can trust and I can use. And um, so we've decided to use uh, CoinGecko coin gecko categories. So they have a bunch of category tags from you know NFTs to DeFi to stable coins, uh virtual reality and, and so on. I think they have maybe 30, 40 tags of four categories. Um, so we decided to use coin gecko categories to screen for I believe it's five categories at the moment, which is um Non-fungible tokens, entertainment, uh, augmented reality, virtual reality, and uh, audio. And as kind of the space develops, we will certainly consider including other categories that align with the vision of um, of the metaverse. So that was the, the first step. I think from then we kind of look at several other factors uh, to screen the tokens out. For example, are they in the ERC twenty Given that we need DEX liquidity to rebalance, do they have DEX liquidity? There, there are a lot of ERC20s uh, ERC out there that have very limited uh, DEX liquidity. And then also, do they fit with kind of the metaverse uh, narrative? There are, there are some tokens that sometimes get classified as, for example, an NFT for a particular reason, but they actually have very little to do with the metaverse itself or the concept of the metaverse. Yeah, so that's kind of like the the screening uh, criteria that that we go through. I think another kind of aspect that we looked at uh, look at is L two scaling, and there, there are tokens that are not just bridged but actually get migrated to L twos, and obviously that wouldn't work for, uh, for the index at this particular time. And we also look at kind of the audits and security and, and try to assess that as well. And then at that point, we kind of arrive at our investable universe from which um, we kind of um, run through a bit of a fundamental screen with Mason uh, to arrive at the final uh, portfolio.
0: I feel like we should be calling it the investable metaverse, uh, not the investable universe, just to get away from that that tradfy.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, that sounds better. <laughs>
0: cool. Um, yeah, you mentioned something in there about how index token holders don't have any say over like what the methodologist does. And and that kind of links back actually quite nicely to what I was the story I was trying to tell around the journey, because part of what we've had to do here is to go from a community member and a contributor at the index co op to a methodologist, like they're two very different roles. And so between you, I, and um, other members of the community, we like come up with the community methodologist role and try to put together a document that scopes that out and lays a path for other contributors to do this in the future. Because the worst case scenario would be that, um, you know, if you're a contributor, you come up with a good idea, it gets to launch, and then your relationship with the index co-op changes. We, we don't really want that and then at the same time the index co-op itself as a business is looking to you know maximize its income so we had to look for a compromise there and uh, a way that we could stay on and still contribute in other areas but like be purely focused on managing maintaining and growing uh, the metaverse index itself to you know capture the potential that it that it possibly can so yeah i won't dive into it too much but it's um, i think we've actually covered it before on some of these podcast but uh, yeah it's been a an interesting journey to try and like figure out the i wouldn't say it was politics but just the like, the organizational aspect behind you know moving around within a dow and um, yeah making sure that we get a win-win situation out of it for all parties really
1: yeah yeah it's, it's been it's been an absolutely interesting experience um i, I don't want to sort of Dive into it, like you said. We, we've covered it before, and uh, I think there is uh, there are much more exciting things we can talk about. But just to to kind of circle back a little bit on on the methodology, um, just one thing that I, I wanted to mention as well is how how we arrive at the final weights in the portfolio, right? And uh, DPI, for example, is a market cap weighted. Index right and uh, for MVI there are two components right there is uh, market cap weighting but then there is also liquidity weighting and uh, like the total weight is derived 75% from the market cap weight and 25% from the liquidity weight and so for for liquidity we basically look at aggregate liquidity for a token across Uniswap Sushi Swap and Balancer which are the three dexes that we can use to automatically rebalance uh, on a multi basis, and then for the market cap weighting, um, we chose to go with the uh, square root of market cap um, because it kind of, if if you just do the market cap weighting uh, between engine and uh, mana, you get more than fifty percent of the portfolio, and and we thought that that was not necessarily representative. Um, of of the space and and also not a very balanced way to to play the emergence of the metaverse and so from there there were a couple of uh, options right we could we could have uh, capped um, the maximum weight of a single position at, at say twenty percent um, and then redistribute or we could just do uh, the square root of market cap uh, which gave us a, a very balanced portfolio uh, without having to apply any caps. Uh, and and there, are, there are two benefits to kind of the, the square root market cap, right? One, it actually reduces the quantum of rebalances on a monthly basis, just because if you take a square root of a market cap, like the variation is going to be smaller because the number is smaller. And then also, um, if you look at the some academic research on the performance of square root square root cap indices, but also like equal weight indices and, and other variations that are not pure market cap weighted index, all of those actually perform better and, and provide better risk-adjusted returns. So I'm obviously biased, but I think it was a, a relatively elegant solution um, to this. And so I I'm personally rather happy with where we ended up with um, on the methodology front. and um, But just to be clear, I think the space is going to evolve rather dramatically, and uh, we will certainly consider kind of evolving the methodology with it uh, as we go along.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's something that we've seen DeFi Pulse do with the DPI methodology as well. I think the simplest way to look at it, I think we came to an agreement. It was like it reduces the volatility of the weighting or, or the weighting changes basically on each monthly rebalance, which is really important for the way that this type of index is built out. Whereas with a balance of pool style solution, obviously you're getting trades across the pool all the time. So it's it's kind of keeping everything in check, whereas this is done on a, a four weekly or monthly basis. So it, it was always going to be a concern. And um, that was the idea behind your your approach to to weight in that way. I know that another thing that you've been looking at that you might want to share is you took a dive into the uh, beta and correlation of this product with a bit of a back test against ETH, and you came up with some interesting results, I believe.
1: Yeah, this is by no means scientific, right? Because the price history of a lot of these tokens that we're including is rather short and was even shorter when I did this exercise a couple of weeks ago. Basically, what I tried to do is, first off, kind of look at correlation to ETH of each individual token throughout, like for the maximum price history that it has. And funnily enough, um, some were negative, uh, but most were between like zero and 0.14 maybe. So little to no correlation to ETH. And then um, also, kind of looked at the standard deviation or volatility of these tokens over that period, and most of them were double, triple, or even quadruple, in some cases, the volatility of ETH. So that, that was rather interesting to me, but sort of expected given the niche uh, space and the price action uh, recently with kind of a lot of volatility and a lot of, a lot of spikes, kind of rapid spikes in price. But what's interesting is that, and and this was a very kind of simple backtest. I took, I believe, about eight tokens that had relatively longish price history. I think it was about uh, four or five, maybe six months, uh, combined. And I sort of did an equal weighted portfolio of them and compared that to to ETH. And what I found was that the correlation of that portfolio to ETH was actually around 0.65 which is very similar slightly higher than the correlation of DPI to ETH which sort of blew my mind a little bit and then when you look at the risk uh, it's also fascinating because the risk of that combined portfolio was basically the same as as ETH and what happens there right is when you put all these tokens together, you are able to diversify uh, some of the token-specific risk away, and you only left with kind of the systemic risk of that particular uh, sector. So we'll, we'll obviously look to running this analysis and uh, understanding how MVI behaves and, um, relative to individual tokens, but also ETH and, and BDC and, and other sectors in the market. But that was really interesting to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that we want to lean on going forward. Me, you and uh, another contributor have been doing the monthly update for the DPI, which seems to get pretty decent traction on Twitter. People are quite interested in the figures. So, yeah, it's something that we're going to look to continue on MVI and uh, try and inform everybody of how well or not it's performing um, as we go over time. So we've we've deep dived into the methodology at this point. We've talked about the journey of you know how we've got this close to launch, and we're almost ready to go. Is it worth, at this point, talking through where that leaves us and and what we're going to be launching with next week?
1: Exactly. Uh, why don't you walk us through the launch and and what we have in store for that?
0: Yeah, definitely. So, probably the most exciting thing for us is um, obviously being like thirty-year-old blokes. <laughs> we're going to be launching this in a virtual world, in a casino in that virtual world. So. We're holding our launch party at the Tom Minoya, I believe it's pronounced, uh, casino run by Decentral Games, which is one of the project's tokens within MVI, uh, and that sits within Decentraland, so it's almost like a two birds with one stone there. Um, so yeah, that's like the really exciting part of it, uh, and obviously everybody's going to be looking to to pick some of this up. So we are going to be launching uh, with an MVI ETH Uniswap pool. And that will be incentivized based on our new uh, liquidity mining framework, like approach. Um, so we're going to be targeting 35% APY on a $5 million pool at, at launch. Um, so anybody who's looking to pick some of this up, we are expecting uh, whales to dive in pretty quickly at launch, um, and they'll probably be using our new exchange issuance uh, contract on the back end, which automatically takes your ETH or I think there's some other tokens that you can use as well, actually, and picks up all of the underlying for you. But it's very gas intensive. So it's not for the smaller users. So once those whales have dived in, obviously, they're going to be looking to pick up the incentives nice and early that will build the pool size on Uniswap. And then people are able to trade with lower and lower slippage as that pool increases in size. So we're targeting the 7th of April, which is next Wednesday for that. It may even be this Wednesday, by the time this podcast goes out, depends when we publish it. So Wednesday, the 7th of April, uh, 11 a.m. PST is the proposed launch time at this point, but obviously keep an eye out on the socials in case that changes. Um, and I think that pretty much sums it up. So yeah, w- what are you most excited about with uh, how this is going to roll out?
1: Yeah, I think the the launch party in a casino in the virtual world um, is fascinating. Like, it's just like, Trying to wrap my head around it, and if someone told me two months ago that we'd be doing that, I would have said that the person was crazy. Um, so that's that's really exciting, and uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And and we sort of like when we knew that, you know, or when we thought that MVI is going to clear sort of all the hurdles, all of the internal hurdles to to launch, we sort of talked about how cool it would be to to do something like that, but. Obviously, neither you or I had any clue how to do it, and then kind of this opportunity came up with uh, to team up with Central Games. They're obviously running um, a lot of events, I think daily events in in the Tominoya Casino, and uh, yeah, the opportunity came up to sort of run this launch party event, coupled with uh, you know some rewards, some airdrops. Um, some gambling. I think they have uh, blackjack and uh, roulette tables. and just bring everyone together from kind of index community, to D- central D- 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 uh- games community, but also other communities. And we've tried to talk to different communities of the underlying projects. And so, yeah, like that that would be super cool. and uh, I hope uh, I hope to see really nice turnout. And we've got a DJ turning up as well, haven't we?
0: Um, I think it's going to be, hopefully, dance music probably chosen by the decentral games um, team so we're not relying on you for your music taste to provide the track list for this one ag
1: i think my music taste is rather okay um, <laughs> okay but um yeah i'm glad i'm glad we're not doing that i wouldn't want the responsibility of entertaining everyone who shows up
0: yeah so it's, it's going to be good we will be putting out uh the invite as soon as the event page goes live on Decentraland events page. So keep an eye out for that. And like you say, it was it was just really good to have um, Miles sort of take most of this off of our hands. He was just like, yeah, we'll do it. You know, we'll look after it and uh, we do this all the time. Like just feel free to, feel free to sort of just turn up basically, which is great. That's been repeated across quite a few of the different communities that we've interacted with where, you know, they're, they're more than happy to get involved, and sort of once they understand what we're up to and what we're trying to do, and what MVI represents, it's like oh, okay, you know, they can start to see how this might bring in people from other communities. Um, it might help the people within their own communities sort of get financial exposure to the, the rest of the space. And um, hopefully, I think the Metaverse Index will be something that brings all of this stuff together really nicely, which is is kind of fitting given the, the way that. Um, all this stuff really works. It, it, the idea is like this: composability and portability of items. So, yeah, it's, it's been a really good experience, I think.
1: Yeah, I think it's been it's been great, sort of interacting uh, with different communities and and different teams. What I'm sort of excited about going forward, right, is working with. Okay, so there are two things, right? I think a lot of uh, projects in the metaverse. Um, Want to decentralize governance, right? Like eventually, and and move towards a DAO um, type work structure. Uh, not not all, but uh, but most. And what I'm really excited about is actually kind of helping them do that, especially for the newer projects that um, will obviously uh, come across during our screening and and during our. Uh, research process and and just just being really engaged with the underlying communities in in whatever uh, way shape or form is is helpful to them I, I think i think that's that's a fascinating role and obviously we we haven't done that with with dpi to to this um extent and and a reason for that but like in my mind this this would just be really, really fascinating and um, a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, it will be interesting because uh, obviously you and I turning up into these discords and telegrams um, as complete noobs at the moment, uh, we're going to try and transition from that to being trusted, like potentially governors or or protocol politicians, as it were. Um, I think that's how Aave refers to them in the future. So yeah, the intros will be Oh, can you help me with this? I can't navigate my way through Decentraland. And then maybe in six months' time we'll be putting forward proposals that actually affect these, um, you know, affect the, the projects that we're interacting with. So it's going to be a steep learning curve, but uh, I mean that's all part of the fun of it, really, isn't it? Um I'd like to run through what the initial portfolio looks like at launch, because I'm sure it's a question on everybody's lips who's listening at the moment. They know how to get it, but they don't know what's in it necessarily. So, if I would just quickly run through the list and then maybe you and I can pick out a few that we really like and, and talk a bit about our experience learning about them so far. So, we've got, and this is in order of uh, the size of the weighting in, in the index, we have Engine uh, with their Eng token, Mana from Decentraland, uh, Sand, which is the sandbox game, RFox from Red Fox Labs. Uh, axs which is the Axie infinity governance token whale for uh, which is the social token from the whale community rari from rareable meme which i don't really know how you describe that but <laughs> formed organically from absolutely nothing to now become uh, a place where you can stake uh, tokens and earn pineapples and use the pineapples to redeem for nfts which is a uh, very interesting <laughs> economic setup. Uh, we've got REV, which is the um, MotoGP Ignition and F1 Delta Time Games. Uh, that's the, the token that goes along with those two. We've got AUDIO from the Audius project, which we briefly mentioned earlier. Uh, MUSE, which is the token of NFT20, which is um, similar to NFTX, which is we'll get to in a minute. Uh, and, and they basically allow you to create liquidity for something like um, CryptoPunks or Hash or Hashmasks. Uh, we've got DGE from Decentral Games, which we've talked about. They run the casino in Decentraland. TVK, which is Virtual Collect. Um, NFTX, as I just mentioned. And then uh, WAX-E, which actually it appears at the bottom of this list. I thought it was in order, but it's not. <laughs> so uh, WAX-E is the WAX blockchain um, economic token, which sits on the Ethereum blockchain, even though WAX is actually built on EOS. So yeah, there's a bit quite an interesting economic or tokenomic setup that they have there. Uh, in terms of what I'd like to talk about, I guess Decentraland to start with, as it seems to be the, the one that everybody knows, Um, it's been around for a number of years now. They're really starting to like step things up in terms of graphics and the events that they're holding and and just what's generally going on in the world of decentraland obviously you have the ability to buy not only like wearables as nfts but you can buy the land uh, which also exists within decentraland as an nft so there's a lot of opportunities economic and otherwise uh, within decentraland and it i think it's probably most people's like first interaction with this stuff but beside NFT marketplaces if you said to somebody you know how can I experience what this is all about what's the metaverse all about they would say go and dive into decentraland and it's it's pretty um it's pretty straightforward to sort of get up and running with it unless you're Nakamomo our <laughs> our podcast producer who seemingly struggled a little bit with it but you basically just jump into a virtual world you have your avatar and you can go around and do there's all sorts of stuff in there. We've got the casino that we talked about. We've got people's art galleries that you can go and view. I got lost in, uh, when I was looking around in there, in some kind of like puzzle that somebody had built. <laughs> I just sort of stumbled my way in there and then struggled to get back out. But there's, there's all sorts of wild and wonderful stuff going on in there. And, and with the events that are now taking place, there's, um, like conferences, there's art shows, all of this sort of stuff, like it's really turning into quite a vibrant uh, and exciting place to be. So yeah, Decentraland has been fun to learn about. Uh, There's a lot going on there. I think there's still a lot of potential with it. There's areas where you can sort of walk around for a while and not really see anything. So there's still a lot of potential development that can take place. But what we're starting to see is these areas where uh, certain projects group together. So you have like Crypto uh, Crypto Valley, or well, they've got the latest like Cyberpunk 2021 um, competition that they ran. So they're building up an area uh, called Ethereum, I believe, where it's all like there's a theme behind it. And so these sort of communities are springing up around certain areas. So, yeah, that's been great to dive into. Obviously, the launch party next week in Decentraland, as we mentioned. So that will get everybody off on the right foot and and people can start. Sort of dipping their toe in the water with this stuff, um, and that seems to be most most people's first journey into the metaverse.
1: Yeah, I I, I spent some time in in sort of decentraland and uh, somnium and, and Cryptovoxels. Uh, what has been like? What's been your experience with uh, with the different kind of virtual worlds? Like, do you have a do you have a favorite, or are there things that you like about like one of them that you'd like to see in others?
0: I'm quite excited actually about seeing Sandbox develop. It looks like it's just going to be basically Minecraft but on the blockchain. So it's a bit of a left field answer because unless you're unless you really know what you're doing you're able to sort of build your own space and develop your own little area on it. Um it's not actually fully like up and running yet. But I think that has the most potential. Uh, I think we'll get a lot of uh, a lot of gamers who are familiar with like Minecraft or Roblox. I think it would be a very easy transition for them to just end up in sandbox. And then once they realize the potential that, that goes on in their way, you know, you have that substrate of an economy. Um, I think that's where you, you really start to like unleash all of the potential of, of blockchain and and gaming built on top of it. So, yeah, that's, that's one I'm really excited about. Obviously, we met with Sebastian ourselves and he told us, Uh, about a few of the things that are in their roadmap and yeah it was just mind-blowing and and then when you see the level of interaction from from the community and the passion uh, that they have just like building avatars or um, items to go in the game like people are already so keen to just get started and and to sort of build that world out Um, and I think the one interesting thing that he did say was that they want to have something going on all the time. So whenever you drop into Sandbox, like you don't just wander around until you find something it's you drop in and there's something happening right, right in front of you and you can just get stuck in. So yeah, that really excites me about, um, about Sandbox. And I think that's one that I'm looking forward to seeing developed this year.
1: Yeah. It, it's, uh, it's an exciting project. Um, did you actually know like the, the history of it? Like, um, the, the sandbox, the original sandbox game, was I think developed in in two thousand twelve by uh, Pixel, which was a a, a video game uh, studio, and uh, it was it was kind of the uh, the game for uh, you can play on on mobile or on Windows, and it did generate up to now, I think, or up to 2020, um, about 40 million uh, downloads, and they then re- later released kind of the the iteration of the game called the Sandbox Evolution. And I, I think at the peak, they had about uh, 2.6 million uh, monthly active users, right? And then they, the game, or uh, the Pixel Studio, was actually acquired by Animoca Brands, um, which is the same gaming studio that that built out the the Rev token and the the MotoGP and F one uh, gaming. So, yeah, that's that's sort of uh, the history of it, which I found quite interesting. And and like you said, like if you compare to um, uh, Minecraft or or um, Roblox, and like I think both of those have over hundred million monthly active users. And uh, Roblox just went public like recently, and I think they, the valuation is above like 36 billion at the moment. Um, so there's definitely a lot of potential. And out of like the tokens that I've looked at so far, um, Sand actually has a, a fairly um, reasonable and, and intuitive value accrual uh, value accrual model to to the token. And and uh, fairly easy to understand tokenomics, uh, which with a lot of kind of interesting potential. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, an, exciting, it's an exciting project. I think, you know, we can, we can spend a while talking about valuations in the space, but just talking about kind of the excitement and the potential, um, it is absolutely a, a very exciting project.
0: Okay, so if we agree to leave uh, valuations and tokenomics at the door, I know that you've been playing around with uh, Axie Infinity quite a lot and um, I want to say that you've built up a fearsome team but every time you jump into the arena to, to battle with people it doesn't seem to, to go so fearsomely. So <laughs> maybe you want to tell us a little bit about your experience with Axie and um, yeah, what, you know, what you've enjoyed about that.
1: Well, I'm a bit ashamed, obviously. I've played so many PvP battles and, in the arena and uh, it just never goes my way. And And there are clearly reasons for that <laughs> i'm not I'm not blaming uh, jeff and jeff and the the Axis uh, team. but yeah, for me, the whole idea of play to earn and play to earn economies is is just fascinating, right um, And obviously like in, in developed worlds uh, we we don't really care about that as much. Um, like, what's you know, if you can make fifteen, twenty dollars playing a game per day, like that—that's that, not much. No one's going to be spending a ton of time uh, doing that. But if, if you sort of add it up over thirty days, right, that is a decent amount of money in a lot of countries, whether it's in Asia or in Africa um, or even Eastern Europe, for example, uh, South America, parts of South America. So, this ability to create economic opportunities from games because players have ownership rights, right? And and also with axes being like individual axes being NFTs, uh, which you can buy, sell, trade. Uh, you can breed them and sell sell those. Um, so there there's a lot of in-game opportunities to uh, to earn. And I think the team sort of has a lot in store um, for for players to be able to do that, right? And that has nothing to do with um, the governance token, the the Axie shard uh, governance token. So to me, that's uh, that's really fascinating, and that's great to see. And I think you see the same concept with uh, the REV token and the um, F1 MotoGP. And and I think you're going to see something similar uh, from from sandbox, um, kind of these play to earn economies, and uh, it's it's really exciting for me to to see those opportunities and to actually, and and there are plenty of examples of people actually using Axie to make a living in in Asia in in the Philippines in in particular. So that's mind blowing.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I I actually like to dive into that a little bit deeper because I did. Sort of read up on it. Um, I think a lot of people get into crypto, or or once they're in crypto, they kind of realise that there's a lot more opportunity for economic empowerment here. And uh, certainly, like I would like to see crypto realise that dream almost. And and with Axie, I feel like that's where you can see the the sort of shoots of of this stuff starting to come out really. So yeah, we saw like in the Philippines there are families that sort of play Axie as and when they can or even like around the clock in some cases and they're earning like you say maybe ten twenty dollars a day, $150 a week maybe, and that's enough for them to get by. And because there's a like there's a level of like geographic arbitrage where, as you say in the Western world, we wouldn't get out of bed for that. But for these guys, like it it can be life changing. And especially with the sort of devastation of the tourism over there and uh, what we've seen with again, accelerated by COVID um, this year, like th- this is offering a lifeline to, to so many people. And so it's more than just a game. It's more than, you know, just a, a governance. Well, it's not even the governance token in Axe's case, but with the way that these things are designed, like people can actually make a living from it. And that again goes back to like the whole idea behind the metaverse index is that, as our lives move more into the virtual space, people are going to be making a living from it. Like we saw the guys at Decentral Games actually hire people to go and work in the casino now as well. So you can get jobs in the virtual world or you can even play a game to the, to a level where you're making a living from it. And I think that's fantastic to see. Uh, And if that's the direction that the trend's going in, then hopefully we'll, we'll just see that, you know, improve in the future. And as I say, that's one of the things that I really enjoy seeing out of crypto because I think that's one of its superpowers, really.
1: Yeah, uh, totally agree on that. And you know, for for folks in the in the Western world, right? Like, there there's still very interesting opportunities. Um, but we can we can talk a little bit about like the, the the ownership economy and the ability for those who create value for a business to actually generate economic outcomes from kind of building that that platform or, or that business up. At the moment, kind of a lot of platforms, if you look at platforms, a lot of them have their network effects because of the user-generated content. But users are either not compensated at all for that content or compensated under less than... Uh, optimal terms. And that's something that uh, is already changing with with crypto and and is going to continue to change. But also, I'd like to just bring up one example with uh, Decentral Games, right? It's a casino. Uh, Casinos are one of the oldest business models uh, or businesses in, in the world. and. We say uh, casino always wins for a for, for reason, right? It's, uh, it's a very profitable business. And with Decentral Games, anyone has the ability to own part of the casino. And I think that's, uh, that's a slogan, actually. And so to be able to have that opportunity, right? Like where you actually have a token and, and there is a token economics model that basically allows you to earn part of the fees that. The casino generates in almost real real time. Uh, that's extremely powerful, and you can say, "Yeah, okay, it's similar to like a stock, where you can um, own a stock of uh, Win or uh, Las Vegas Suns or or whatnot." But yeah, you 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 are still kind of at the discretion of the management team to actually make decisions that uh, would increase the value of the stock and you are technically entitled to the, the income as as a as a stockholder, but in reality you cannot say claim and get your share of the fees or or, or a share of the profits that the casino generates. And then obviously you're exposed to kind of the the human nature and uh, potentially corrupt choices by leadership teams and and so on. So yeah. By the people, for the people, right? Like the the ownership economy is is built on that uh, principle, and and I think it's extremely powerful in the world that we're living now, and the world that we are gonna be living in uh, further down the line.
0: Absolutely, yeah. The house always wins, but in this model, you get to be part of the house, which is, uh, <laughs> this is something fairly novel. I think it wouldn't be fair to run through this list without. Talking a bit more about meme, uh, I know you and I are quite excited about this one because the way that uh, the way that they work is really nicely set up for some things that we might look to do in the future, in terms of like bringing the communities from from elsewhere in designing maybe some NFTs, um, possibly adding some utility to the MVI token by you know enabling uh, holders to stake their MVI token to earn pineapples in the same way that you that you do on, the, um, within their platform. So, yeah, I, I've obviously had a look through part of the DeFi summer, obviously meme sort of came out the back end of that. Uh, and we spoke to Jordan who was the guy who originally sort of put the, the joke tweet out there that said like you could design your own food farm effectively. And that's where meme was born and seeing the community rally around that. I, like behind it and and come up with new ideas and sort of a really inventive way of just creating value out of nothing and and now you see like all sorts of the the top projects are trying to sort of get listed and and create games and quests whatever it may be like in conjunction with meme it's just been really like one of the my favorite success stories I think from from this space and and of all the tokens that we've got included it's just the for me, it's the most unique, um, easily the most unique. And we've recently seen that they've announced uh, a huge amount of investment from like even Mark Cuban, I think, was on their list. Um, so people are recognizing like the value that the, the meme community and the meme project brings to the space and the power of NFTs. And I, I think we're just at the bottom of like this S this curve, really. Again, we've just seen it with DeFi like all play out. But um, yeah, this stuff is really just getting supercharged at this point. So yeah, as I say, some exciting stuff that we're gonna be looking to do with the MVI token, hopefully in conjunction with the meme team. Um, so yeah, keep an eye out for that, everybody.
1: Definitely, uh, definitely a lot, of, a lot of exciting things to, to come. Um, I think there is, you know, we talked about this before a little bit, and we tend to approach um, investing or like MVI from an investment perspective, right we look at like sectoral exposure and this is a trend that we want to uh, that want to have exposure to and and so on and so forth but i think that like this investment lens is actually relatively rare when it comes to um nft's virtual worlds and so on i think a lot of people um actually approach it from kind of you know oh it's a game right or oh it's a virtual world like from that perspective and that perspective is much more mainstream right it it it's much easier for people to to understand so i think you know we we talked about that and and we think that there is certainly a need for us to gamify uh, the MVI token and give it utility in different ecosystems um, or different games or just find a way to make it exciting and usable across the metaverse. And I think that's very different right from uh, from the DeFi space where, okay, maybe you're trying to make DPI useful as like a collateral on maker or, or a compound, but there is very little gamification to it. Um, but for us, I think it's uh, is going to be one of the kind of the the priorities. Um, one of the things we're going to spend quite a lot of time trying to figure out.
0: To everything that we've done with DPI, because it it, it just is different. The communities are different. The projects are different. The space is different, and, and the user, um, the end user is, is different as well. Uh, as you say, we've we've kind of seen that, like jumping in and out of the communities. That um, they're very uh, they're very focused on their own projects and all of the communities seem to be very strong. But when you start talking about a financial product, it's, uh, you kind of see people's eyes glaze over. So we're gonna have to approach it like from a, we're gonna have to be really clever with it basically, because it obviously has a lot of benefits and like being able to hold a, a token that gives you exposure, easy, like simple exposure to this space, is going to be really powerful for all of these um, community members, like in each of the projects that we've, we've talked about. And so it's just communicating that to them and, and getting them to understand it. And then from there, I, like I briefly mentioned it earlier, I would see them starting to understand more about other projects within the space. And hopefully that will be great for everybody involved because it means the community starts to merge. Like somebody who's interested in collecting NFTs is quite likely to be interested in like what Decentraland is all about. So you're going to get that cross pollination and perhaps MVI can again sort of catalyze some of this and sit at the center of it all. Um, And and it does the same thing in a a really nice way. It brings all of those tokens together so you can get exposure to all of them. Um, So yeah, a nice little analogy between the two of there, I think.
1: Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Like it's, uh, you know, think about who's going to be excited about staking MVI in, in Cream. For example, right like that's not gonna that's not gonna really do much um for for us for kind of growing this product and and I think yeah, like the utility in the in the metaverse space is is what's gonna make a difference so very different, very exciting, and uh yeah, really looking forward to it
0: yeah, me too. what are we about five days away from launch now um, it's been Busy, exciting, definitely new for me uh, as somebody from an engineering background. Um, I know that you've you've worked your fair share of 16-hour days on stuff like this before, but uh, yeah, it's, um, it's been a learning experience. And <laughs> similar to what you said earlier, I can't believe like six months ago, if you'd have told me I'd be launching a financial, or not a financial product, what we call it, an index token in a virtual world in a virtual casino within that world, <laughs> it would be like, yeah, I, I can't believe it. Um, so it's been an amazing journey and we are both ready to get this thing out the door, I think, at this point.
1: Yeah, so um, if you're listening and if it's before Wednesday, which um, hopefully it is, head over to, to our Discord. The We'll obviously post a lot of things on Twitter, Medium and, and so on. There's also should be the event uh, page on the Decentraland events. And uh, yeah, I really hope to see everyone at the launch party and come on this journey with us. Uh, it's going to be exciting. And we just hope that we're not launching at the top like we did with all our other indices. But <laughs> even if even if that's the case, it, it's still going to be a, an awesome experience.
0: Yeah, we're going to have a shed load of fun with it either way, aren't
1: we? You bet better- it.
0: Okay, cool. Thanks very much, AG. Um, So that about wraps everything up and uh, I'll see you
1: in the metaverse. (laughs) Yes, I'll see you there.